This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is... The Buck Sexton Show. All right, team, welcome to Hour 2 in the Freedom Hut. We're joined by our friend Sean Davis. He is the co-founder of The Federalist. You can read his latest on thefederalist.com. You can also follow him on the Twitter, as I suggest you do, at Sean M. D-A-V. Sean, good to have you. Thank you for having me. So Trump's not even president yet, but he's doing stuff, and he's taking victory laps, including with the carrier deal. Tell everybody what's going on with this, and and then tell us what you think about it. Yeah, so what was happening with carrier, I guess, is that the the company, which is a manufacturer, was planning to uh, move some jobs out of the country into Mexico. Um, This is something that Trump said, uh, not specific to Carrier, but that he didn't like. That was one of the reasons he was running. We needed to make America great again and keep jobs in the U.S. So after he was elected, he and Pence, who's the governor of Indiana, where Carrier is located, worked up a deal with Carrier whereby uh, the company is going to get some uh, sort of tax incentives to keep uh, manufacturing in the U.S. And as a result, they're not going to send all of these jobs over to Mexico like they had initially planned. So it's not like everything's staying, but more staying than would have before uh, Trump and Pence got involved. And a lot of people are upset about it. And this is not conservative, right? This is one of the one of the arguments that people are making against this is that this is essentially picking winners and losers in the market. This is giving a tax incentive. I guess it's at the state level, though, to get Carrier to stay. So you're basically saying it's kind of like what Obama did with GM, right? It's the government saying, well, this is uh, important, so we're going to do this for you and we're going to help you out. But the actual expense related to it is considerable. Right. I mean, it, this is kind of the definition of, of crony capitalism. I, I don't think it's conservative to use um, taxpayer money uh, to give to specific companies to do things that the government says it wants. Now, with that said... I don't think Trump ran as a conservative. He ran as Trump. He was very, very clear about what he planned to do and kind of what his vision of government was. There were a bunch of conservatives running in the primary, and they lost. And I think they lost in large part because um, people saw that message of this kind of ideological conservatism and said, you know, that's a bunch of brainy abstract stuff. 
I just want to know how I'm going to keep my job and how I'm going to keep uh, being able to pro- provide for my family. And so when they see Trump doing this, you know, there, there's been a lot of hand-wringing kind of conservative intelligence. Yeah, this is terrible. This is awful. This is crony capitalism. I agree with that. But it, Trump is doing exactly what Trump said he was going to do. Yeah, I guess he does deserve points for keeping his word and consistency here. While ever, well, there's a lot of criticism he never said he was conservative, never said he would run. I mean, never said he would uh, be a, a president who would adhere to conservative principles, at least not that I can remember in any meaningful way. Uh, and, and it seems to me that now this is uh, this is the way that people are more and more expecting government to act. It's sort of transactional, right? Uh, to show results, you're going to do stuff like this. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying this is, it seems to be, a sort of by. Uh, this is a, a bipartisan game, but it really has been for a while. I mean, you know, whether we're talking about the Export-Import Bank, Republicans have been guilty of wanting to tip the scale for favored companies and constituents for quite a while, too. There's a lot of fight fire with fire attitude out there. Right, and, and I think people, especially those who live in these states that have seen so many jobs um, that traditionally provided a, a good center of living disappear, they, they look at the Republican Party and they looked at the party's leaders and said, what are you doing for us? You're, you know, the other side gets all the stuff they want and we get ignored. We want somebody who's finally going to help us out. So, you know, it, like I said, there was a lot of hand-wringing over it. I, I honestly couldn't get too upset about it because you can't get that mad about people having their jobs saved, about people not losing their jobs um, to another country. Um, I'm happy for those people. I think that's great. I think the timing is great for them. They get to go on Christmas knowing that they're going to keep their job. That's not something I get upset about. What I worry about is the precedent, because what it says is that if you go and basically extort the president of the United States and say, hey, I'm going to go leave to Mexico unless you pay up, what that does is it creates an incentive for everyone else to do that. You know, Carrier did it in one. Uh, every other company is going to look at this and say, you know what, I may not even have plans to move to Mexico, but I'm going to float them because I might get some taxpayer cash out of it. And, and that, to me, is the real long-term problem. <laughs> it's like kidnapping yourself and, and demanding a ransom, right? <laughs> I mean, after a while. That's a good idea. Pe- yeah, pe- yeah. Well, people are, people are going to find ways to sort of e- exploit the politics that are at work here, which I think, I think is what you're referring to, right? Companies now get to say, you know, give us, give us this tax incentive or else. But it's from their perspective, I have to say, I completely understand, right? Why there, any carrier competitors must see this and say to themselves, okay, well, I want that. I want that deal too. So it is true that anytime the government picks winners and losers, it, it sets a bad precedent. Uh, and, and also, speaking of, of precedents that uh, could be quite bad for the economy, or we'll see. Trump is saying that there may be a 35 percent tax uh, levied on businesses that go overseas in certain circumstances. So really punitive stuff. What do you think about that? Right. So, I mean, so that's the flip side. One side is the government will give you things um, if if you do stuff it wants you to do. And then the side with the taxes, it will uh, severely punish you if you don't do things that it wants you to do. I, I would prefer that we kind of reduce taxes on everyone. I, I'm not real big into using the tax code to uh, to punish. I think the tax code exists to raise enough revenue to run a government to do the things you need it to do. Um, so I, I'm not a, a big fan of the crony capitalism, handing out goodies um, to people who have access or favor with the government. And I'm definitely not in favor of the government kind of arbitrarily punishing people. With that said, uh, you know, I'm not president. Trump is. He won. He kind of won a uh, historic victory in ways that nobody expected. 
um, this stuff's going to continue, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how much he reshapes the Republican Party's views on regulation. Are they going to stick with the traditional free market views, or are they going to move kind of over to the Trump mode of, you know, I'm going to reward people who help me, and I'm going to screw people who don't. Speaking of government intervention in private businesses or, or commercial activity that's going on here, the Standing Rock protest slash Burning Man style party slash social <laughs> justice convention, uh, they have won a victory here. The Obama administration has said uh, as of yesterday that uh, has directed the Army Corps of Engineers to find to look for alternate pipeline routes. Oh, Sean Davis, I know you've got some thoughts on this one. Oh, this this one's amazing. So th- this is a project where I think they only have another maybe a couple thousand feet of pipeline um, that they need to do. Uh, this thing has been approved for years. Um, Energy Transfer Partners, which I believe is the uh, partnership, uh, the energy company building this whole thing, has had the permits. They've had the approval. Um, then out of nowhere come these protests, and I, I say out of nowhere with air quotes, and then magically a month before he leaves office, Obama decides, to um, go back on his government's previous um, uh, guarantees and re- remove their right to do this. Uh, I think this is nothing short of a gigantic presidential temper tantrum. Um, it will have no lasting effect because Obama's gone in a month and a half, and Trump is almost certainly going to come in here and say, you know what, this thing's going to create lots of jobs. It's going to create lower gas prices. We're doing it. It's going to be done. Um, they're going to move on. Um, but I really think this is just a big, lawless, completely ridiculous temper tantrum from a president who's mad that uh, his handpicked successor uh, actually just got thumped by uh, the guy he spent the campaign mocking. And I got to say, what is the alternative? I mean, they're, they're almost at the terminus here, uh, not to conjure up those episodes of Walking Dead, uh, but they're at the, <laughs> they're at the terminus here, uh, more or less. Alternative route? I mean, the, the alternative route's still going to be moving a lot of oil that still could spill theoretically. I just, I don't understand how they, it seems to me that the only victory here is they get to force this pipeline to do something, you know, the pipeline conglomerate, the people making this, to do something they don't want to do. And yeah, they're getting their way. They're threatening to hold their breath. And mommy and daddy are saying, okay, fine, we'll do whatever you say. But the end result's not going to be very different. I mean, th- this pipeline is going to go 100 feet under the riverbed. No, there's no Native American artifacts that were going to be disturbed. This whole thing is nonsense. How is this better? Well, it's ridiculous. Uh, You know, they tried to go to court to stop it. and The court said, no, you have no basis to stop this. We're not issuing an injunction. Um, Everything here has been done properly. They've completely followed all the applicable laws. Stop. And then once they lost in court, the Obama administration came in at the last second. So this would be a totally different story if years ago, they had denied these permits. But no, they basically said, um, no, you can do this. You can do whatever you want. And after the company had made plans and spent money, they came at the last second and said, ha-ha, tricked you. No, you can't. I mean, it, it's just such a ridiculous exercise in spite uh, from a petty, petty administration that cannot get out of Washington soon enough. Yeah, it reminds me of, of all the back and forth over the Keystone XL pipeline. And initially, the sort of rallying cry of the environmentalists was climate change, climate change, climate change. And then it was pointed out, well, look, you can either let this pipe, we can either have this pipeline go across the U.S. or the pipeline can go in a different direction. But the oil's coming out of the ground either way, which means it's going to get used, which means the CO2 is going in the air. 
And they still that, that didn't move them one bit. It didn't matter. <laughs> it, it apparently no, wasn't it's, about it's climate also change. Dumb. It, you know, they say they want to keep people safe and, and they they want to save lives. Well, a good way to save lives is to not ship this stuff on uh, rail cars. Okay, rail cars crash and it causes real problems. There is no good reason, safety or otherwise, to not be sending this stuff underground. And the problem for the left, quite honestly, is this is actually a really big wedge issue that's going to hurt them. Um, because on one side, on the left, you have the wacko environmentalists who hate progress and change and, uh, uh, you know, jobs and science and all that. And then on the other side, on the left, you have people in unions who kind of just want a job. And this is great work for them. It pays well. Um, it's reliable. It lasts a long time because you don't put in pipelines or maintain them you know, just over a couple days. Um, if Trump is smart, he will use this to drive a gigantic wedge between two huge uh, client members of the client state Democratic Party, um, because the, the unions will fall all over themselves to support this because it's in their best interest. And at the same time, they're going to use it to drive away the uh, kooky environmentalists uh, who, like you said, are really just uh, jonesing for another Burning Man uh, event in North Dakota. Sean Davis is co-founder of The Federalist. You can read his latest on thefederalist.com, at Sean M. D-A-V on Twitter. Great to have you, my friend, Sean. Come back soon. Hang out with us. Will do. Thank you, Buck. Phone lines are open, team, 888-900-3393. Our sponsor this hour, Super Beats. Super Beats. Super Beats. They're super beady. Uh, they're a nutrition gold mine. Beats, that is. They're rich in vitamins, minerals, electrolytes, and dietary nitrates. Dietary nitrates convert to nitric oxide in the body, and that is the secret to why Super Beats works. Now, look, I can tell you that whenever I take this stuff, I feel like I get a boost of energy, and it is fantastic. You should check it out yourself. So please call 800-311-4367 or go to teambuckbeats.com. You get a 30-day supply free. It comes with your first order and is backed by a money-back guarantee. Also receive a free book, Beat the Odds, and free shipping on your entire order. You'll love the results you feel with your first free canister, guaranteed, or your money back. That's 800-311-4367 or teambuckbeats.com, 800-311-4367, teambuckbeats.com. We'll be right back. Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. The Buck Sexton Show. 
Take a call from Tim in Phoenix. Tim, you're on the Buck Sexton Show. Welcome. Shields high. Shields high. Uh, uh, quick things, and then we can chew on the uh, the last. One, uh, about the alt-right. Perhaps a good counter-narrative to that, I'm not sure if it'll work or not, would be to call the left alt-left. Second uh, of all, perhaps... I don't know. Uh, why, why would that work? Um, well, the reason it might not work is they might like it. Okay, Tim, I'm going to need to speak a little faster and a little louder because I can't hear you and we got a lot of dead air here. So, okay, so what else is on your mind? Uh, what would the mainstream media react to if a gay couple went into a Muslim bakery to get a, a gay wedding cake? That wouldn't go over too well. No, it wouldn't go over well in the sense that they wouldn't cover it. I mean, and also if that incident happened, I mean, traditional... Islam, just like traditional Christianity, doesn't support gay marriage. Uh, but but Islam gets a pass because it's considered a non, a predominantly or almost in, a predominantly non-white religion, and therefore it's a religion of minorities. And there are special, there's a sort of special dispensation right. given to it. But yeah, I mean, this my, has been pointed out. I, I think actually Steve Crowder did a, a a bit where he went into a Muslim bakery and and wanted a, wanted a gay wedding cake and. I, I, you know, the media didn't cover it, but I think Crowder did that. Yeah, I didn't know that one. Um, yeah, we, we had a similar case here in uh, in Phoenix re- recently. Um, but perhaps Trump is uh, actually being wise to talk to uh, Gore so that he can understand what the opposition position is on climate change. I could not. I could not hear Tim there. What did he say? Uh. Perhaps uh, Trump is acting well and wise to speak with Gore about the opposition position so that Trump actually knows what the position is. Uh, yeah, what? Al Gore? When, when did that happen? Uh, the news is that uh, Ivanka is going to go talk to Gore. Well, that's not about Donald Trump. Change. That's his daughter. But yeah, okay. All right, Tim from Phoenix. Thank you very much for calling in. Good times. Um, alrighty. Uh, one thing that caught my attention over the weekend is uh, that this guy went into a, you know, there's all these stories about fake news. You hear this all the time, as though it's something new, by the way. I've talked to you many times in the past about the different forms of propaganda, black, gray and white. Gray is just information that's put out there um, without uh, attribution. White propaganda is, you know, we are the Department of Information, and this is what we are telling you. And black propaganda is from uh, false, you know, false origin, so or, you know, false flag. So somebody could put out um, uh, flyers that say uh, sun-dried tomatoes are the best and should be put in all food, uh, quote Buck Sexton. That would be black propaganda because it is, it is both false and vile. Um, so, yeah, uh, there are different forms of propaganda that exist out there, been around for as long as there's been information, right? As long as there's been uh, whisper campaigns or writing or whatever, people have tried to get messaging out there that has an influence um, that is based on deception. And yeah, there's fa- there is fake news out there. Uh, there's plenty of fake news out there. Although I have to say, as you look at what the left considers fake news, a lot of the time it's really opinion-based stuff. Um, and uh, by the way, anyone who's ever been to a grocery store has seen National Enquirer. And this, I mean, this is not new, but 
you'll you'll see that the the sort of hyperventilating over fake news uh, has coincided very much with not just the Trump movement but Trump's victory against Hillary Clinton and that's because the underlying theme is supposed to be Trump only won because of fake news. Trump only won because of Russia. Trump only won because of the FBI director. I mean, you go down all these different reasons and it's never Trump won because Hillary Clinton was a terrible candidate uh, and was wildly corrupt and unlikable and completely lacking in in charm and trustworthiness. And Donald Trump had some good slogans and connected with people and and, and, and promised to secure the border, et cetera, et cetera. But th- th- that's never the analysis they give. It's always some other externality that filters into it. Anyway, fake news is nothing new, but that's why they talk about it all the time. But there was this guy who went into a D.C. pizzeria that had been the target of all these fake news stories saying that there was a child sex ring operating in the basement or something, and he went in with an AR-15. Um, look, you know, people can get worked up over any number of fake things that are out there, and uh, I think it's interesting that in our, in our discussions about, I mean, this, this one was a particularly bizarre case, in our discussions of fake news or fake news stories, you don't hear a lot of talk about, you know, hands up, don't shoot. That was a lot, lot, of, lot of fake news there, a lot of reporting on Mike Brown holding his hands up and being shot and killed in cold blood, those were not true news stories. And those were covered by major media outlets across the country. And that became a sort of national uh, rallying cry of the Black Lives Matter movement. So there's a lot of fake stuff out there. And it is up to people to be discerning, to figure out what's true and what's not to the best of their ability. The answer is not, and I'm kind of rushing this segment here because we went a little longer with that caller than I intended to, the answer is not to have social media platforms like Facebook deciding what is fake and what is real. That is a no-no. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Team, we know there are some who think that what's going on at Standing Rock is an essential social justice movement. we got Van Jones on CNN saying that the protests there feel like Selma. Play clip two. Native Americans uh, have, I think, uh, upwards of 200, uh, 300 treaties with the United States, and all of them, at one point or another, have been violated. So you have... Uh, the original Americans, the first Americans, who feel that, uh, that you know that this government has not been a friend to them, and suddenly you have something where not only are their rights possibly jeopardized by this pipeline, but it turns out millions and millions of Americans downstream in the Missouri River would also be affected by a spill, and so suddenly their struggle becomes a struggle for water protection for almost you know a third of America, and you saw this incredible reaction, and so this feels like Selma. It feels like Montgomery. It feels like a, a time when a, a group that nobody really paid attention to, black folks in the South, stood up and the world stood with them. So it's a very powerful, emotional moment, I think, for the tribal communities. Well, that's one way to look at things. Jim Reese may have a different view. He's the founder and chairman of Tiger Swan and a veteran from the special operations community. Jim, great to have you. Hey, Bob Buck, how are you doing this afternoon from uh, Bismarck, North Dakota? Yeah, you're out there. So I wanted to get you on. So you're out there in in the in North Dakota. You're you know close to what's going on with the pipeline. What is happening over there? Well, yeah, Buck. Thanks. Well, and you know, uh, 
you know, very, very candidly here, uh, we were brought in in early September uh, to take over the management and support the DAPL program uh, to make sure that everything was being done. And I think what's very important is everyone out there needs to understand a couple things. One, all the men and women that are working on the Dakota Access Pipeline, or DAPL for short, absolutely believe in the Constitution, supporting the constitutional rights of all the protesters. Uh, they support the Native Americans, uh, understand their plights for the hundreds of years. But at the end of the day, these are just good old men and women. And what's very interesting is about 78% veterans out here working from Illinois all the way up in North Dakota for this pipeline uh, that is bringing energy dependence to the U.S. It's 98% complete. And I, unfortunately, we're kind of stuck in the middle. And we're just trying to make sure that everyone on both sides are staying safe and secure. And, you know, our, our, our folks that we're helping with, with DAPL are able to do their job. And the protesters are allowed to protest. But what I see here now after several months is I think people have really forgotten what they're protesting. Yeah, I'm sure some people just showed up. I, I've read accounts of it because they think it's like Burning Man. It's some sort of a social justice party where people can self-actualize and find themselves, you know, out out in a rural area or something. I mean, what what's the actual protest? You've been to the protest site, right? What's it like? Yeah, I'm actually staring at it right now. Oh, um, okay. It's, it's it's amazing. I mean, I, I give I give I, I give from the social science aspect. I give them the credit. They've brought people in. There's probably last night probably ten thousand people. Um, but again, uh, where you know are we are we supporting the, the Native American? The what you know when I hear Van tell me one, it's not the Mississippi River, it's the Missouri River, and I think there are a lot of people who really don't know the facts. And what I what I've learned in this process here for myself personally um, is people don't pay attention to the facts. Take the facts. Let's lay out the facts. Let's have a discussion about the facts. So it's not the Mississippi, it's the Missouri. But here's another fact is, underneath the Missouri River, there's already 421 spots along the Missouri River that pipelines go underneath the Missouri River. So I get so it. So this would be 422. That, that's where they have to draw the line. 422, they draw the line. And, and again, I'm all about I'm all about clean water. I had cancer before. I'm all about clean water. Um, but if you look at the water that the people here in Bismarck, it's got fluoride, it's got chlorine in it. Uh, so, again, it's like it is. It starts to be the social injustice. And our frustration now has been with the veterans that have come up over the last uh, several weeks, uh, you know, coming in. I'm just not really sure they're coming for, and we're seeing people say, hey, we're just coming for a fight because we want to fight. And I'm just not sure where in our constitution that's that's where our protests are because we come because we want to fight i don't get that yeah they just it seems like they want to make some noise they literally just want to protest about something uh they're they're now claiming this is a victory that they have to explore alternate routes but how alternate can the route be with 98 percent of this multi-billion dollar pipeline already completed i mean it's it's 1170 miles long they're at the they're at the very end of this thing it costs three point seven billion dollars. Uh, like I said, how alternate is the alternate? Well, I, again, it's not my that, that's not my expertise, but I know these men and women that do this for a living. Uh, this is, uh, you know, 
It's an engineering structurally. It's incredible. And when you see the pipe, this pipeline literally runs parallel to a natural gas pipeline that's been here already for about 15 years. But what they've done, you can't even see the pipe. The, the restoration that's done afterwards, it's pretty incredible. So, again, back to Amer- uh, American ingenuity. Um, but, again, if, if the U.S. government decides we're going to change it, these men and women will change it. But at the end of the day, these men and women are just executing what our government's asked us to do to help support, reduce our, you know, our energy on, from foreign aspects and reduce the price of gas. And I get a little bit frustrated sometimes when I see everyone rolling up in their F-350 duallys to a protest about this type of act, about this type of uh, event. Yeah, I mean, you have Greenpeace uh, praising the decision, saying, quote, the water protectors have done it. This is through a Greenpeace spokeswoman. Uh, you said there's already what over 200 crossings, pipeline crossings under the Missouri River. Those already are in place. Uh, why, if this is about exploring an alternate route, it still means that there's going to be an oil pipeline transiting, what is it, 550,000 barrels uh, a day from the oil fields of western North Dakota to Illinois, which is where the terminus of this pipeline is. I mean, how is it protecting the water? I mean, they're not demanding more stringent pipeline protocols. They just want to make it move, right? Yeah, and, and again, you, the, the problem is, is you've got to go all the way back in time to when this entire system started. And you, if you take a look at all the facts, all the facts, and lay them out um, from where I sit, and yes, people will say, oh, you know, Jim's jaded because he's working on this thing. But if I, I believe that I know how to be, you know, uh, you know, non-parochial with my past and having to deal with a lot of these things around the world with a lot of different people. So when I look at this from a non-parochial aspect, I think everyone has been given the opportunity over the last several years when this thing has come to effect, um, their chance to put in their, put in their word. And then all of a sudden at the, at the final hour here, again, I, I appreciate and will support these people all day long. But, you know, my, my concern is, you know, when I look at the poor law enforcement guys, you know, I talked to one of the sheriffs uh, when I was up here a couple weeks ago, and he kind of looked at me and he goes, can you believe this is happening in Bismarck, North Dakota? And, uh, you know, these guys are working hard and they're trying to keep everyone safe and they're trying to protect private property and again, unfortunately, I think the facts have been lost in the noise out here, and it's really turned into it's, – it's really a shame that we just all can't sit down here and talk about these smart things. And if the Army Corps of Engineers wants to relook this thing, hey, absolutely. That's their prerogative. Uh, but again, the men and women that are working on this thing, uh, once someone says, you know, go, they'll go. But now this brings everything to a screeching halt, like you said. I think it will be a shame that all this money has been spent – uh, if they decide not to bring this to, to bear, and, and, but Jim, it, it has got, to seem. I'm just going to say, it, it seems like there's an assumption of bad faith that's made on one side here. The company that's running the pipeline, the conglomerate that's in charge of all this, uh, they don't want to deal with a pipeline spill. They don't want to deal with contaminated drinking water and the huge ramifications, both sort of the moral and financial ramifications of what that could be. I mean, the, the incentives here. Are, are aligned. I mean, they, they've, as you said, they've gotten all the permits. They've, there already are lots of pipelines. Uh, it, it just seems like the, the, quite honestly, the left has seized on an issue here. The Native American component of this gives them a degree of sort of uh, moral elevation, right? Because of what was done to Native Americans in the past, they're a 
they're an, an oppressed people, and so they're sort of at the vanguard. They're at the forefront of this, but really the left is supporting it all from behind. I mean, I'm assuming, because you've been to these protests, you know, there's like drum circles and white college kids with dreadlocks, and there's probably a little weed smoking going on, or, or maybe not. You tell me. Well, it's a little bit of everything. Like I've said, from the Native Americans, what we've watched with them, they have been, the majority of them have been, they're out, they're protesting, they're trying to make their case. Um, but what is know, their case, Jim? Well, what is the na- just on the Native Americans? Well, what is their case? Sure. I mean, they can't really believe that that this pipeline, which is already over a thousand miles long, that this last part of it is disturbing. It's disturbing what an ancient ancient burial ground, and what is the case they're making? Well, and again, yeah, there's some of that. It's all on private property, but the biggest aspect is they believe that the area on this last piece here that goes underneath the Missouri River. Um, there's a lake that was <clears throat> that was actually formed on the Missouri, uh, you know, from the Army Corps of Engineers years ago, and they dammed it. That's part of their drinking water. Well, there's some people that would, you know, again, that's that's their piece. I get it. I, I understand their plight. Uh, but again, what I'm looking at is American ingenuity and engineers and scientists that design these things. They don't want these things leaking too. And you know, they have these huge valves that shut off if there's a, a, a thing. So I, I, I understand that from what, their plight, and that's their fight with Washington, and I get that. And uh, I support them 100% in their constitution to do those things. But then you have this whole left movement that has come in, and whatever they've got the ass about, you know, whatever, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's, you know, they just got the ass because the, the weather's been bad, they see this as a place to come, and they're going to use this as a caveat uh, to right. come These in. These are the evil fight. hippies. Uh, whatever you want to call them. You know, uh, I'll, I call them that, Jim. It's all right. You were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever you want to call. The far left has come in, and they're just looking for, well, I've got the ass, so I'm going to come in, and I'm going to fight. And that's it. How do you think this thing ends up getting resolved? I mean, the Obama administration's order is only going to stand as long as Obama's in office. So are they just going to sort of put this thing on hold and President Trump will come in, let them finish it, and that's that? And and do you think the protesters think that, can last through winter? Because if they're not there, that makes this whole thing a lot easier, too. Well, I'm, I am staring at a blizzard right now. It's about 22 degrees. It got down to about 16 last night. And tonight it's supposed to be 9 degrees. And then starting tomorrow, you're talking about single digits during the day and in the negatives at night. My fear is I don't want anyone to die in these camps. You know, I don't want anybody to die. And, uh, you know, it's uh, they're not set up for it. They, they don't have the logistics for it. And unfortunately, anyone who's been in this business a long time is operators don't win wars. Logistics win wars. And if you're not logistically set up, I'm, I'm afraid for the people. And that's my concern from a safety and security aspect. I don't want people getting hurt out here. And so to answer your question is, I think that's one course of action that, that uh, you know, Mr. Trump comes in and he pushes this thing along and we're kind of back to square one. Uh, or, you know, the president somewhere along the line between now and the inauguration, his staff comes back in and says, hey, we need to do this. But I don't see that happening. But unfortunately, for all of us at the lowest levels here, just trying to support what is being done on a contract that was let years and years ago, we now kind of sit here and wait and let the uh, officials figure this thing out. Jim Reese is founder and chairman of Tiger Swan and a former Army Special Operations uh, uh, veteran. Uh, Jim, great to have you as always, man. Thanks for making the time, and uh, let us know how this all shakes out. I will, Buck. Thanks. Have a great Christmas. I don't talk to you. All right. Absolutely. You too.
Uh, team, phone lines are open, 888-900-3393. We'll be right back. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to The Buck Sexton Show. Good piece by uh, Carol Markowitz here on the New York Post where she says that the uh, war on fake news is all about censoring real news. That's the other part of this. I I just wanted to work this into our conversation today. On the one hand, it's about undermining Trump's victory, right? The idea being the only way that Trump won or the only way that Trump could have won is because of disinformation and, you know, sort of Russian KGB style disinformatia. I mean, disinformation intended to convince people things are true that are not true. Meanwhile, the media would love to report on how Trump supporters knew things about him that they thought would be disqualifying and they didn't care. But they still cling to this. Oh, it must be. They must have believed things that aren't true. It's like, well, if they believe things that you think would disqualify him and didn't care, maybe that's actually what happened. Maybe it's not that they and they being what 60 million people. Uh, it's quite a broad brush. Um, the other side of it, though, is that they, once again, the same people that want to bring you the fairness doctrine, the same people on the left who always want to have control over speech to make sure the bad speech doesn't happen, uh, the bad information isn't out there, uh, they make all this noise about fake news because they want, and this is what's key, and I mentioned this before, they want the major platforms, particularly for sharing news stories like Facebook, Twitter, more and more Snapchat, which my girlfriend's trying to explain to me these days. And I'm like the old man who's like, what? There are filters? What? What? Filters? What? Who? Um, so I don't know what's going on uh, with that. But, yeah. Uh, what was I saying before that? Yeah, so Molly tries to explain Snapchat to me. And anyway, all these platforms are how people get their news now. And more and more I see that um, the left wants an openly activist uh, editorial hand at work in social media sites and how news is shared on them. So think about what what that leads to. Now, what's also important to remember is that Facebook can Facebook can censor and do whatever it wants. We just should be aware of it. But they're they're trying to push for that. They're trying to create the grounds for Facebook to say, you know, that story about oh I don't know how John Edwards had a mistress and was hiding her and all that stuff that the National Enquirer reported on. Well, that would have never been news because you know. Fake news. More coming. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.